The Real Investment Show. You know, there's nothing in, if you go through the Adam and Eve of diversification and see who bit the forbidden asset allocation apple that says you must invest in all markets. That is a Wall Street invention to sell you product, okay? So if you look at what the financial industry has done to diversification, it has watered it down and widened it so much. It becomes absolutely, in many cases, ineffective. And one reason are the sales targets that forces financial representatives to spend less time with your portfolio. That's not what they do. They sell product. Also, you have the financial big box compliance departments. And they're designed to protect the firm, not you as a client. And will not allow anything that deviates but this washed out definition of diversification. Do you know, Danny, where I used to, in the old world, in the darkness, if you didn't have international in the portfolio, you'd get, a, you'd get a call or an email. Why don't you have international? Well, it's not really doing well. Here's why. Here are my reasons. I, why do I need to own it? Because it's diversification. Okay, for who? All right? So we don't do that here. Thank goodness. We look at the, obviously we study international markets. We study developed international and emerging markets. That's fine. We may or may not invest, but we are, but we do have diversified portfolios, Danny. And so we are doing risk dilution. So portfolios can get decent returns without the same level of risk, but there is still risk. So then I have to look at risk management. Risk dilution and risk management are not like those little two, two brothers on the Smith Brothers box, right? Danny and whoever. Two Dannys. It's totally different. That's why you wrap risk management around true diversification. I mean, it's just silly sometimes what I hear. Um, if you have a targeted Think about it this way, Danny. If I have a targeted diversification strategy, where does that place the accountability? It places the accountability on the advisor and poses risk to the firm. In other words, I take a stance and I am responsible for this. But that's not what big box financial retailers want, do they? Well, no. And you, you know what's sad is I think that it's it's a big CYA, number one, and it's, mm-hmm. oh, look, we were diversified. It's okay. But even the attorneys and everybody else has gone and said, oh, well, look, you were diversified. I mean, and yet I think that everybody's completely forgotten what that actually meant yes. and how that's changed. Yes. You know, it's, it's changed significantly. Like, you know, you were mentioning the portfolio with 800 different stocks, and I come across quite a few where – you know, there are two, three, four hundred. I mean, you might as well buy the S&P 500. You could do it a lot cheaper and a lot more efficiently. And, you know, I think they do these things for a couple of reasons. One, 
you get this account, you see all these positions and you think, oh man, they're really actively managing this. They're really involved. And yet nothing's really actually being done because you can't tell there's so many transactions just from a dividend perspective that are occurring that but, you don't really see what's happening within the account. And a lot of times exactly. it's really nothing. And Danny, what you're saying is right. In other words, if I had all these stocks, just say, and I have to consider the mm -hmm. fact that the costs were like three times what an index fund would be. They also couldn't understand the question you brought up, which was, why am I not at least performing like the market if this is replicating the market? Because they're overtrading to provide value. Okay? A trade is not designed to provide value. It's designed because you have a rule and you follow it. But I couldn't figure the rule to buy and sell XYZ. Matter of fact, I, I couldn't even understand. I mean, the logic behind some of this was just to place a trade. Well, not, um, not when you're owning hundreds of positions. I mean, that's the problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if you're doing this and managing a portfolio of 20, 30, 40 positions, mm -hmm. it's a lot different than mm -hmm. if you're managing the whole market. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, I just want to help you all understand that diversification is not some sort of panacea, some sort of fix-all. You know, like in the, in the Old West, when you have the medicine man come around and say, this elixir here is going to change your life. Diversification might have been that in the past. It is no longer because of globalism and information and how tight these markets trade. I don't have to be in international markets and be diversified. But that's what I've been hearing. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm really crabby. Um, okay. So another thing today, we have the Commerce Department, big numbers today, Danny. They're going to release monthly figures on household or outlay and earnings at uh, 7.30 our time. So we're going to see what's happening to spending. You know, Lance nailed, and I hate to like, you know, he's got a big head already and I don't want to rub it, but I will. Um, he nailed it on retail sales that they were going to be down. Right. Because real wages now, without all the stimulus and grandpa government giving me a check. OK, my real wages now are negative. If I consider inflation, right, I have to consider inflation in my wages. So retail sales were down. Now we're going to get an idea of what the overall health in our economy is as far as spending for July and income, household income from wages and government programs and investments. Where are we? As stimulus wanes, what's going to happen? I'm a little bit concerned about the holiday season this year uh, and spending. You have to remember, everybody, not everybody is like you, you wonderful audience. 80% of the population lives paycheck to paycheck. And a majority of the population want a check from the government. So without the check, Real wages negative, what happens? So these numbers, what I'm concerned about is how we deal with these as we are heading into earnings season. Like if you look at the dollar stores yesterday, they got, I think the dollar store stocks got slammed more than they probably should have. I mean, they got taken out to the woodshed yesterday because there's margin pressure now. And China, did you believe there are some companies in China that are paying their employees $3.90 an hour? What? Employees in China don't want to go to work. <laughs> Maybe you were just talking about globalism. I mean, they don't want to go to work either. So, three ninety an hour, 
right? So, you know, the margin pressures and supply chain issues, I'm at a dollar store. I can only raise prices so much, right? If I'm Dollar Tree or Dollar General. So my profit margins are going to get squeezed. And all, and again, we've raised prices across the board, right? Unilever, Kimberly Clark, Starbucks, Chipotle, name your company. How long before they can't get those prices because of the fact that stimulus is down and real wages are negative. So these numbers are going to come out today. And I don't know, July might still be sort of okay. I just wonder what happens like August, September, like September when some of the most of the unemployment benefits roll off, the extended. What happens around holiday season, Danny? Well, I think we're going to get a get a glimpse of that with consumer sentiment as well. University of Michigan's index or, or comes out today as well. Their survey, and you know the preliminary numbers were still pretty low at seventy point two. I think they're expecting seventy one today, and that's a far cry from where we were just you know several months ago. Mm-hmm. And will that continue to pour over into you know like you said retail sales, all the other areas? What does the holiday spending season look like? Um, you know, it may it may be much different than what everybody's anticipated with this big booming recovery or or everybody that you know thinks that there is one. And you you know Walmart if you look at inventory builds they're very strong. So what if a lot of these companies have just you know over anticipated what was going to be because some of the animal spirit is getting choked off by one the delta variant, two politics and a lot of things that are going on globally. And um, to your point, consumer sentiment, you know, that's the animal spirit. If I feel good, I spend. You know, it, it's some people want to feel good. They do something else. But Americans, we like to buy stuff. So it's, it's going to be interesting, really, what this holiday season spending looks like sort of post interim pandemic versus what it was before the pandemic. So, again, in some ways, we are all, and we study the numbers diligently across the board. I don't care if it's financial planning perspective inflation to what Lance and Mike and Nick study. We're in uncharted territory in so many ways when it comes to this, this, this pandemic and this Delta variant and how many other variants we're going to uh, see. But you know what, Danny? If I eat about 50 hot dogs today— I can cut my life expectancy because and that means I won't care. I might not be even be here. Um, depending on how many hot dogs I have this weekend, you might not even see me around holiday time. So you remember how I used to tell I was doing it all wrong. Dan, you remember my little retirement index? Like depending on what I ate, I, I would sort of add and subtract from my retirement account like yep. mentally. Like if I ate better, I'd add a hundred dollars. If I ate worse, I'd take 100. I guess that was one way of doing this when studies like this this company, uh, these research, this nutritional index, ranked foods by minutes gained or minutes lost off of life. And we're going to talk about that. How many hot dogs does Rich need to eat to not be here in December and watch Lance prance around in his Grinch outfit? Which is, by the way, what he wears every day. We love you. Yes, we do. We'll be back here on The Real Investment Show. Stay tuned. I'm going to drink more coffee. And welcome back. 
I know this is uh, this is not like smell-o-vision, but for those of you on YouTube. Now, you guys on the radio, you got to look up Smith Brothers before your time. But uh, you see the dude on the right there? Hold on. You see the dude on the right? Danny, that's you. Now, the, the guy on the other side is Leonardo DiCaprio. But Danny, you're starting to really look like that Smith Brothers dude. I'm doing this out of jealousy, by the way. Love and jealousy for that beard, because I really would like it. You know, that, that's exactly what I was going for, Rich. I, I figured that, or General Lee. I couldn't figure it out, but uh, I like it, man. It looks, I like the way it looks on you. Not many people, seriously, can carry that. It's I like it. Very manly. It is. It's thank very, you, thank very you. manly. Better on him than on Michelle. Um, Isn't that the truth? And today, you never know. Um, so, hot dogs. So this this nutritional index, right, is looking at over five thousand foods. So the food studies range from seventy four minutes lost to eighty minutes gained per serving. So sugary drinks, hot dogs, burgers, breakfast sandwiches, right? That's minutes lost. So if what's the thought? If you don't save enough for retirement. Eat a lot of hot dogs and drink a lot. Of, eat like I did as a kid. Wake up in the morning, have Kool-Aid, right? Eat a box of donuts, right? And then mom goes, here's another box. Then go get pizza. And by the time one o'clock rolls around, you know, you've already consumed like 8,000 calories. So, you know, obviously foods that were what you would think you know, baked salmon and all that, you're going to gain 10 or 15 minutes. This might be a really strange, and we always link health and retirement wellness, right, Danny? We've always done that. This is a really, compared to my dollars in, dollars out, this is a sort of a, maybe a way to look at it too, right? If you're eating healthier, you are adding longevity to your life. It's not all the DNA, if your parents smoked, your parents drank a lot, your parents were overweight and they died sooner, that may not necessarily be your case. Especially if you look at this index and how we're eating, right? Yeah, that's it's it's a big thing. I mean, think about how bad it is for Joey Chestnut. I mean, you talk about the world <laughs> champion hot dog eater. This poor guy. He's dying like you can. They should have a countdown clock to his life every time he does that, based on this study, right? You probably should. And so I was thinking, you know, you said you're looking at okay, how many would you need to eat? But it would take you 41 hot dogs just to get rid of one day, Rich. I could do. I did that as a kid. I'm surprised I'm still here, based on this study. That's all we ate were processed foods and and Swanson's TV dinners and. Ice cream and I mean, oh my gosh! I mean, all the cereals that we had as a kid. I mean, I know there are a lot of sugary cereals now, but it was like sugar at the time because of whatever institute decided that, you know, whole grains were really the best thing in the world for you to eat, and that has wound up to be the worst thing you could eat. But then you realize it was because of all the manufacturers of all this stuff trying to tout it, you know, working through the food agencies to say this thing is really bad. Um, is going to help. Isn't you. it crazy how back then there's nobody with gluten and gluten sensitivities, all these things, and now we have you know this these mass problems with food. I mean, we the, the, totally, the food has changed significantly. Well, 
food has changed, and also we we put we put uh, kids in little bubbles now. Like it's safetyism. We put kids in these little bubbles, and they don't build resistance to any of this stuff. I ate so many donuts and so many hot dogs. I actually went the other way. It's going to make me live to a hundred because I built up this immune system to all the junk food I ate. I mean, I ate the Cracker Jacks. I ate everything in that box, almost a toy. So, you know, that's, there's something to building resistance to certain foods, but we shelter our kids so much and, and so forth. I think they lose that, uh, that resistance to this stuff. But it's the, 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 the gist of the study is if you, if you swapped out 10% of the daily caloric consumption from beef and processed meat for fruits, vegetables, nuts, and all that, and seafood, that could reap significant health benefits. And the team on this, on this research cited a gain of some 48 minutes per person per day. That's pretty good. So in other words, it's never too late, right? If you're planning for retirement, one of your pre-retirement steps is how do I get healthier? What do I need to do? Okay, you're not going to know this name, Danny, but I'm watching a commercial for Pat Boone, right? And Pat Boone must be about 150, right? I mean, whatever. But he's out there playing golf, and he's, he's advertising this uh, relief factor powder, right? But he's going, like, he made me exhausted. He goes, today I'm playing golf, and then I'm going to play tennis, and then, I'm got, and then I'm writing a book, and then I'm doing working on this movie. And I'm like, I'm tired, dude. This guy must have been not, he must have avoided hot dogs his whole life. Right? So staying active is very helpful to your overall health and well-being in retirement. The less money you spend on out-of-pocket health care costs above and beyond Medicare and your supplemental plans. And we always talk about this, Danny. This health and wellness is connected to retirement. And that means you're possibly going to live longer. And yes, your money does, but you also might be able to work longer. Uh, as well. So what you're giving up in costs on one side, you're gaining on the other. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a good point on how interconnected these things are. And that's why you, know, you may be listening, thinking like, why would we even be talking about this? And, you know, that's it's, it's one of the probably a fallacy that people just overlook mm-hmm. to understand, you know, the cost of health care and how quickly it, it rises compared to just regular inflation. There's a significant difference. And you need do need to be prepared for this because our most successful clients in retirement are those who who have made these changes, who have, you know, and sometimes it's slow. And sometimes, you know, I've seen it where um, you start making lifestyle changes even in your 80s, Rich. And yeah. you can see people reap benefits from it. It's amazing. And sometimes it can be, um, you know, a catastrophic event may cause that lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. But there are people who are still going to to benefit from these types of changes at any age. And so I think it's really important to understand, you know, what this means for not only your health, but your pocketbook. And, you know, know that those two are, they are very linked. They are linked. Um, to your point, um, I we have clients that are 80 plus and they're more mobile because they exercise every day. And I'm not talking about being Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, in, in lifting iron and stuff. They're walking, they're mobile, right? They're walking, they keep track of their steps. Um, they're just young, younger in heart, younger in spirit and body. And they, they don't spend as much even on healthcare. 
but the quality of their retirement is there. Listen, this is not some, you know, overall kind of solution to everything because some people, you know, obviously illnesses occur. But anything you can do to minimize even the impact, right? People that get sick, but they, they take their D3s or they, they work out quite a bit. They recover quicker um, as well. And again, this is linked to the quality of your retirement and the quality of the longevity of your portfolio since you're not draining it so much for healthcare expenses. And what you are spending money on are things you enjoy. So, and what is the fidelity, right? We look at all the fidelity studies, what healthcare costs in retirement are going to be. Oh, close to $300,000. There are studies that say over a lifetime, it could be 400000 And that covers Medicare premium, supplemental, and out-of-pocket. Doesn't even include long-term care. Anything I can do to cut that lifetime cost is important. We keep track, for example of out-of-pocket healthcare costs for people on Medicare. In other words, over and above what they would pay for all their insurance because of illnesses that they have. Not all of them. Most of them are not congenital. Most of them are lifestyle. And you can see how significant when I might have $1,500 of -of out-of-pocket costs versus $10,000 over a period of time based on certain ailments and issues that I have. And if you look at the list, most of them, again, yeah, there are some people that do have congenital issues. And that, that's, that, you know, unfortunately, that's a DNA issue and that happens. But 99% of our issues are lifestyle. So it's amazing to see the connection of costs and how that can deteriorate um, a retirement um, overall. And speaking of retirement, we have our in person, so you can see Mr. Smith, one of the brothers, and me. Um, I'll be I'll be Leonardo at uh, retirement right lane. Now, this is Saturday, September eighteenth, from nine to eleven at the Hyatt in the Woodlands, and you can sign up at realinvestmentadvice.com. But, Danny, this is our soup to nuts. I'm preparing for retirement. What do I need to know? And how do I need to reprogram some of you from what you've been told, right? So this is going to be a really important class. I already talked to some people that have been to our last ones, Danny. It's going to be like a reunion. All right. People are showing up. So if you want to sign up, there's limited amount of space. Um, Tax law changes, how your retirement is going to be affected post-pandemic, Medicare, Social Security. We are the experts. I guarantee you will learn one thing the end of that workshop and class. We'll be right back for our last segment here on The Real Investment Show. Stay tuned. You know, the end of summer's coming, not here in Texas, right? We still have until January, but falls in the air. I'm already getting all the Halloween ads on Facebook. Starbucks has their pumpkin spice latte and apple cider latte and not that I'm drinking any of that, but, um, but it's coming. You know, it's coming. It's like this old joke. There are two zombies, and uh, they're talking to each other, and the leaves are falling. And goes, and he's got a, he's got a ma- he's got a hand in his mouth, and he goes, and one of the other zombies goes to the other guy, "Hey, what does that taste like? Pumpkin spice." <laughs> 
right? It's that going to be that time of year. But it's also time to sort of put together your last quarter financial checklist, things that you need to know or start, you know, sort of tying up the loose ends for the end of the year. I cannot believe how quick this year has gone, right, Danny? Yeah, it has flown by, you know, and I thought last year was quick. This year, I think, has gone by even quicker. I mean, it really has. Um, And to your point, I think it went a little slower because we were all confined, even though it did go quick. But this one was like hyper speed. Um, Mm -hmm. Yesterday, I met with clients who do their, you know, before you sent up this, when we used to send up the space shuttle, you would do all these mathematical equations so that you would launch successfully. Part of that ability to launch in retirement is to create a micro budget. And I have one client, uh, clients I met with yesterday that are doing that. Uh, great job analyzing their spending. So they use that last quarter of the year to really go through the budget and look at what they've spent. And then what they're waiting for is to say, do everything on credit cards and pay them off um, for, for points and so forth, right? There is a way to use credit cards wisely. They get a great spending report from the credit card companies, Danny. And they're going to be able to match up. But now they're starting to do their preliminary of how are we spending, how are we trending so far. I thought that was a really good, hey, what uh, what has trended? Especially with people going out and all that. Where have we spent the most money this year? You can really start to get a handle on that, don't you think? Yeah, I think that's a, it's it's a fantastic idea, especially coming out of summer. You know, this year things have looked different. You know, finally people are getting back out again, and so maybe spending habits have begun to change. Um, really getting a good understanding, I think, going into the fall is a, an important thing, especially going into a new year here in just a couple of months. Rich, um, you know, this is crucial to understand, and really, like you said, that micro budget. You know, one of the things we see with people who are really successful with retirement is actually trying to do a, a kind of a a pre-retirement run and start looking at, you know, your financial expenses in a way where you're maybe taking distributions in a certain way. You're understanding, you know, putting your paycheck somewhere else and then actually taking distributions from an account and saying, OK, here's what I'm living on in retirement. How does this impact, um, you know, the overall budget and the cash flow? And I think that the more we can understand about ourselves and our personal spending habits, the better we're going to be, be in retirement. And, you know, it's not anything that people like to do. It's uh, yeah. probably, you know, one of the, the biggest things, that four letter word when somebody says budget. But I think if you could actually make it more, you know, put it into practice, it's not as cumbersome as most would think. Yeah. And it's not as bad as putting it down on paper because there's so many ways now, like you mentioned, going through credit card reports, going through services like Mint. Um, so many areas and ways to make this so much easier than you just having to sit there with the pen and pad and say, here's my budget. Yeah, and I think it's a good time just to get a handle on how your money's been spent this year, especially with maybe some emotionally driven spending that you're not going to do next year, right? You've been pent up. You want to spend money. You know, I think another thing is you really want to look at where you've been putting money into your uh, health savings account. You know, are you maxing out your health savings account? If you can, you increase your contributions to Roth 401k. You know, are there things that you could do for fourth quarter bonuses coming, right? Where's my emergency reserve right now? Do I have a financial vulnerability cushion? Do I have a year's worth of living expenses in cash? Can I now have a strategy to build that up before the end of the year? 
right? So this is like the financial housekeeping of things that are so obvious that you may overlook them. Um, have I checked my beneficiaries on IRAs and life insurance? Do I know how many years has it been since I've checked them to make sure they're correct? I mean, I just think it's that time of year, right, to dig up and get into the soil of your um, sounding like Randy Lemon, uh, get in, digging into the soil of your finances, right? To get prepared for next year, but also leave this year fiscally strong. Well, in order to know where you're going, you have to know where you've been. And I think it's important to, to make sure that you're doing all those things. And not to mention, Rich, we're about to get into open ro enrollment for benefits. Um, ah, you know, that, that season's really big come about October. And so you will start to have to make some decisions as far as where you're going to do and what you're going to be doing for the following year. And we see a lot of low-hanging fruit that unfortunately people just kind of overlook or don't utilize that a lot of group benefits offer. And so this is where you and I and, and, and all of our advisors, we spend a lot of time looking at these types of things to make sure that people are taking advantage of everything that's out there. And especially from a risk management perspective, um, you know, there's sometimes some things that you can do to make sure that uh, your family is is protected that, you know, we just overlook and it's easy to do. So, you know, there's a lot of things to start to, to think about from a financial standpoint as far as making sure you have all these things in place. But Danny, you bring up a really, really good point that I didn't think about. How are employee benefits packages going to change because of the pandemic? Is there a change? Will we be going yep. more toward a high deductible plan because of healthcare costs and the lingering effects of COVID, right? Do you understand how that works? What benefits do we maybe have to take away? What benefits are we adding? Are we put adding, a, like there are a lot of companies adding wellness programs saying, if you do this, if you go for your physical exam every year, we'll pay you $100. I mean, I think this, to your point, this enrollment period, might be a time of change for many packages. So just don't gloss over it, which a lot of people do. That's where most people do. They just, oh, I'll just take what I did last year and not really examine. Like you almost have to look at your benefits package this year like you're a new employee coming in, don't you think? Oh, I, I think you need to each and every year because mm -hmm. things change. Things change within the plan. Also, we do realize that companies are passing on more of the burden to the employee from a healthcare perspective. And I think that, you know, we need to be prepared for that, but we also need to know, okay, if they're going to do this, there may be some other benefits and things that we can take advantage of. Like if you do now, you know, only have these high deductible health plans to that are offered. Well, okay. That's, that may not, may not be great, but it may not be terrible either because maybe now you can contribute to that health savings account. Um, but understand how to use these things properly. We're going to talk more and more about that as we're getting into the season. Um, but I think that these are all things that are so intertwined that we can, these can lead to very good things, especially in the future. Absolutely. Um, your flexible spending account, right? It's not a health savings account. You're going to have to use that money. You might get a grace period of 500 bucks going into next year, but for the most part, it's a use it or lose it. So did you estimate properly? Did you save too much that now you got to run out and try to use it? Have you tried to tie into maybe what your expenses might be next year? Do you need to increase those contributions going forward? Do you need to reduce them? So you got to manage that flexible spending account to figure out 
um, engage the best way you can. If not, you better spend the bucks that are in that account. So it's a good time for you to take a look at that and see, hey, this is also a really good time to sort of budget. And I keep my Christmas, my holiday budgets from every year. Last year, I went a little crazy. I'm probably going to go crazy this year. Uh, but I've built in the latitude. I know what I'm spending. You want to really get a gauge on what your holiday spending is going to be like this year. So this is a good time to actually formulate that. You know, Danny's going to get a new cough drop box, 25 bucks. You know, Brent's going to get a whole bunch of hot dogs, 30 bucks. Whatever we got to do is I whoa, always— Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey now, hey now. We're gonna have to offset that, Brent. Well, they're don't plant. worry. I still love you. No, over but here. he doesn't know they're gonna be plant-based. They're gonna be made okay. out of like papaya. Or something. I think that's probably just as bad. I mean, I don't no, know. No, well, we'll just make sure it, the hot be, dog. It will be his system will just totally. Yeah, make sure the hot dog buns are whole wheat. Oh, yeah, because that's healthy yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll make sure of that. See, throw some sauerkraut on there. That's an anti-inflammatory. Does that even matter yeah. anymore? <laughs> I don't. I relish the thought. <laughs> uh, when I was a kid, you want to know how bad we ate? You would go to the grocery store, and they had a box of marshmallows. You know, like Peeps? Yeah. Shaped as hot dogs. So not only were your hot dogs bad for you, we had candy shaped like hot dogs that were bad for you. Why am I still here? <laughs> Maybe I'm just well-preserved. Um, so... Flexible spending account, very important. Health savings account, very important. Man, Danny, you really hit one today out of the park with that uh, enrollment package, your benefits package. You're really going to have to fine-tune that. You need help with it? We can be your set of eyes for you. No charge for that. We will help you go through it. Make sure you're doing the right things this time around. Uh, we're always happy to do that. Again, take a look at our new design on our uh, website. Looks great. Sign up for Lance's Daily Commentary. Awesome. Before you hit up your yogurt and hot dogs in the morning, uh, you know all about the market and economic conditions. Lance back Monday. We'll see you next Friday. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate you. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet. Sign up for the Real Investment Report now at realinvestmentadvice.com. It's a rich man's world.